On episode 33 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Authentic Negotiation with Dr. Chris Meyer. I think a lot of times what we do is we put on the face that we think is the right face for the situation. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be very serious and it's outside of who I am and I can't pull it off. Mm -hmm. So what I need to do is I need to go in and I need to be who I am and I need to, I need to tell the bad joke that nobody's going to laugh at because that's who I am. And if I can do that and show who I am authentically, people are going to be more trusting. You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast, insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Randy Lane. Today's show is a continuation of a conversation with Dr. Chris Meyer. He's an associate professor of management at Baylor University. Chris does a lot of research around negotiation. We talk about cultural considerations, being authentic, and the joint gain mentality. We start by talking about the negotiation gender gap. Have a listen. Is there a difference between men and women? There are slight differences between men and women. Um, we used to think there were we used to think there were uh, major differences between the way that men and women negotiate. What we found recently is there are slight differences and the biggest difference is that women tend to ask for less which is an interesting an interesting thing if you think about you know the glass ceiling and women make less than men some of that can be traced back to the negotiation process where they tend to ask for a little bit less and and what we need to do is we need to train when we're training our uh, women executives, we need to train them to ask and, and aggressively ask. The problem is when women are aggressive, they're seen as um, something different than when men are aggressive. Mm-hmm. Men are aggressive, they're seen as the go-getter. Women are aggressive and they're seen as, you know, yep. yeah, that, that person we don't want to deal with. Um, it's not necessarily true, so you need to be aggressive in a positive way. And I think the same can be said for men. Men that are aggressive are n- men that are aggressive in a negative way are no more desirable than women that are aggressive in a negative way. We all need to be aggressive in a positive way, working towards that joint gain. So if emotion is a part of the negotiation process, is it better, in your opinion, to come across as someone who is very serious? If we were to sit down to start a negotiation, am I better to approach it as we're here to do business. We're here to be serious. I have done my homework. I know what's going on. I'm a rec, you know, forced to be reckoned with. Or is it, you know, hey, let warm, warm and friendly and bubbly. Ask about the family, the kids, everything else before we get started talking about your raise. You know, tell me again. What's it? How was your vacation? All that kind of stuff. I think you could do it either way, and that's just an artifact of who you are. And and what you need to do is you need to be an authentic negotiator in order to do well at this. For me, I'm much more comfortable as the warm, somewhat humorous. I wanna I wanna talk to you about what's going on. I wanna you know let's tell a couple jokes first. Let's you know, mm-hmm. hey, talk about the the sports that were on last night. Hey, did you see that Tim Duncan retired? That's that's me. That's who I am. And if I walk in and I try to be the very serious, very, you know, if I walk in and, and set my spreadsheet down on the table, for example, it, it comes across as disingenuous and that impacts trust again. If I come in and I am who I am 
it's that authenticity that's really important. So we need to really be authentic people and we need to come into the negotiation and be willing to show that authentic person. Uh, I think a lot of times what we do is we put on the face that we think is the right face for the situation. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be very serious and it's outside of who I am and I can't pull it off. Mm -hmm. So what I need to do is I need to go in and I need to be who I am and I need to, I need to tell the bad joke that nobody's going to laugh at because that's who I am. And if I can do that and show who I am authentically, people are going to be more trusting. Yeah. What about culturally? Because uh, I spent several years in Japan and the whole adage of, you know, if you're going to do business with a, a Japanese businessman, you have to spend, you know, several days or hours drinking with them and building that relationship. And if you just walk in there, guns blazing, here's my deal. They're going to just say, see you later. That's that's absolutely true. There are cult cultural artifacts that we need to be aware of. And the Japanese are notorious for that long relationship cycle. When I was building uh, a relationship with a Japanese reseller for some of the software that I sold before my academic career, we spent nine months, almost a year, building that relationship before we signed the deal. It was worth it. It was a really interesting experience to go through that culturally. Meanwhile, we were selling in Europe, um, and we would go in with a, a very American mindset. I think they were more aware of that American mindset or more accepting of that American mindset. And we just went in guns blazing, as you said, and just put deals on the table. And they were willing to, to work with us on that. In the Asian culture, it's much more about that relationship. So we have to think about it. There's some difference um, between individualism and collectivism that you need to, to be aware of. You can get by with not being a cultural expert as long as you're authentic about it. And you, I think that authenticity is something that we don't spend enough time on. We don't pay enough attention to being an authentic person, particularly in our negotiations. So if you are, then you can sit down and you can say to your Japanese counterpart, I really don't know that much about your culture. Could you talk to me a little bit about what's important to you? And I'm going to tell you about what's important to me. We're pretty, you know, we're pretty quick on the draw. We really want to get business moving. Mm -hmm. So what's different about Japanese culture and the culture of the United States? And, and I think that people see that as showing weakness. I don't see that as weakness. I see that as being an authentic person and walking in and talking about who you really are. I, don't, I haven't done business with Japanese, so let's talk about how you do business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. When I first got there, I didn't know the importance of business cards. Like, everyone has a business card. You better have a business card, even if it's a very casual interaction and then how you receive and how you give that business card is very ritualized and if you just someone hands you a business card you take it casually and you put it in your pocket or whatever that's frowned upon and they'll start looking at you differently like you don't take them seriously like you don't have a respect for them so i think mostly it's re it's building the respect for who they are and then they will reciprocate like you said and i think that's absolutely important and you can get like i said you can get by if you are willing to ask the question I had a, I had some very good coaches and a lot of times the coaches were the people that I was negotiating with. I would say, I'm not sure. I've never dealt with somebody from the Netherlands. Could you please walk me through? How do you, how do you do this? Um, not that I was a great negotiator when I was out in the world before my academic career, but I think that I was willing to be, I was willing to be the, the guy in the room that just was going to ask the question, how do we get through this? Mm. How, how do we work together on this? because I don't really know what your process is and you might not know mine. So 
I'll tell you mine. We're a startup and we're seat of the pants. And a lot of stuff that we do is probably not what you do when you deal with bigger companies. So let's talk about how we can work together in the best way. Mm -hmm. One of the dilemmas that I run into in negotiation, I'll talk about myself personally, is that my personality style and the people that I come across in my almost 20 years of being in business now and negotiating with different people is that salespeople are the easiest people to sell because they're excitable, they're visionary, they're, they're fired up. They, you know, they, they don't pay too much attention to the details. They're willing, in my personal opinion, to give concessions quicker because they just want to get the deal done. They want to move on. And so whatever it's going to take to get this going, let's get it going. Where someone who maybe is a little more analytical, they're more attention to detail, more focused on system structure process, they tend to slow down the negotiation process because they need lots of information, lots of data to make an informed decision, almost that old paralysis by analysis type of thing where negotiation almost comes down to a screeching halt because they can't seem to align the dots and the T's. And that's frustrating for some. Any research that proves that one way is a better way to negotiate versus another, is there any logic tied to that? The people that do the research have a tendency to have a better understanding of where their bottom line is, for example. Um, there's, a, there's an entire structure to negotiation, and we could talk for a long time about that, where we need to know what my aspiration is. That's you know what I really see as the best you know, pie in the sky outcome. Where was my reservation, which is the last deal that I can take before I have to walk away. And then how does that settlement zone look in between there? And, and those that have done the research and are analytical about that, but willing to be dynamic within the negotiation, those people tend to do a lot better because I, I come in and I've got it prepared. Particular, I, I've seen the students that do the best have also listed out concessions. These are the things that I'm willing to give up and then drawn a line and then listed. These are some things that I'm not really willing to give up um, or I'll give some here, but I can't give everything here. Um, if we come into it much better prepared, what happens is when I'm done and when I walk out, I have a better feeling about what happened. I'm more I'm more likely to want to do business with those people again because I know that I didn't get taken. And we talked in the beginning about when you walk in and you have that feeling of trepidation before you negotiate, those people that are very well prepared, they don't have that feeling of trepidation. So and it, I have to tell you, when, when I teach this class in the MBA programs, the people that come in that are the most confident are the salespeople. And then we do the first negotiation. And then the people that are the least confident are the salespeople. Really? It's, it's <laughs> amazing to watch because... Because they don't prepare? Well, they feel like, I don't, need to, I don't need to prepare for this. This is just a little exercise. And I negotiate every day for a living. And so they go into the negotiations really with that seat of the pants mentality. And I'll give and take here and there. And then... We do the dreaded thing that you do in every MBA class. We write it on the board. Here's, here's what everybody got on, for their outcome, and we write them on the board. And then we rank them, right? And there's always salespeople down at the bottom. And I think that they come into it, and 
they, they have overconfidence about their ability. So they don't go through that very meticulous preparation that we were talking about. They don't go through with the spreadsheets. They don't go through and build that idea about where can I give concessions. And because of that, they give up too much or they give up the wrong things and they walk out of that negotiation having been taken by somebody with a finance background or somebody with an engineering background who's very meticulous about that, about that preparation. Hmm. So in my head, I think of, you know, you've kind of listed out these types of negotiators. You have the, the very active salesperson or, or the person who is overbearing, has that kind of personality. Then you have the more passive person who may be more analytical. But uh, what about the person who's kind of maybe in the middle who comes in it and you say, I have my stuff that I'm not willing to give up. You have your stuff that you're not willing to give up. Let's be creative and create a third option of something that's mutually beneficial for both of us. Is that another type of person or is it a mix of those two people? I think any of those people can come in and be willing to be creative. And one of the one of the most important things that you can do is be open. We mentioned that earlier. Be open and be really thoughtful about where can I create some value and how can I benefit the other party more than what's what's happening on the table right now. One of the things that we talk about very early on uh, is a post-settlement settlement. And this is an idea that I think takes some people by surprise. When you get to the end of the negotiation and you've got it written down and then look at it again. And if there's any way that you can benefit the other party or the other party can benefit you without harming each other, give it to them. Um, and it's really, it's, it's funny to see their face when I say, if you can benefit the other party, just give it to them. We've already got a deal and they already agreed to this, but it doesn't take anything out of your pocket. And it's amazing. There's some research done out of Northwestern University where they bring all the, all the new MBAs into the room and they sit them down. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to. Uh, they sit them down and they give them a choice and, and they pair them up. And one person, ha- one person has the ability to make the choice. You can either take $10 and give the other party $8 or you can take $12 and give the other party $20. And they put real money in front of them, right? So this is a real choice. Now, I don't know how good your math is, but $12 is more than $10, right? And that's the choice that you're making. Do I take less or do I take more? Right. Most people tend to take the less because really? it, and it's strange. We're, we're sitting here and like Chip said, we're, we can be completely logical and we can say, why would you take a total of $18 instead of a total of $32? Well, the reason is I like that idea of win-win as long as I win a little bit more. So I try to get people away from that win-win mentality and try to get them to that joint gain mentality. So if there's a situation where we can split $10 and $8 or we can split $12 and $20, I want people thinking about, I know that they're going to get a lot more than I am, but I'm willing to give them a lot more so I can get more too. Mm-hmm. And that's the difficulty. So you call that what the... I call that joint gain mentality. Joint gain. Because okay. we're gaining together. Right. It's no longer about me winning and you winning. It's about us gaining together. We can't do this alone. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in a negotiation. If I could just go out, get everything that I needed alone, I wouldn't need to negotiate at all, ever. But I do need to negotiate. And if I'm going to negotiate, I want to negotiate in a way that gets people as much as they can, including me. And, and I don't think that it's bad that I'm gaining. 
Mm-hmm. No, I, I want to gain, but I want the other party to gain too. And that's a changed mentality. And when we go back and we think about increasing empathy and increasing perspective taking, not only can I not be that cutthroat negotiator, but now joint gain makes a lot of sense. If I take the perspective of the other party, what does the other party want? $8 or $20? Well, obviously they want to take the bigger payout. So if I can take the perspective of the other party, joint gain makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I like it. We've taken a lot of your time today, but before we end, we always like to ask uh, same questions. And that is, are there, if I want to learn more about negotiation, are there any books that I should read or anything that you're currently researching or studying right now that is really good stuff that I should pay attention to or or podcasts or movies, anything that you give me that would help me I want to know more about this? Absolutely. I, I think from a negotiation standpoint, the the book that I'm very often recommending is a book by a guy called Stuart Diamond, and it's called Getting More. Uh, it's a great, great book. It's going to take this in a little bit of a different view. It's going to take it and, and, and really apply it in the business sense, which is a really good thing to do. So that Stuart Diamond book is really good. Um, I'm also reading Adam Grant right now. Um, he has two books that are out. Give and Take is probably the most applicable to the negotiation setting. Um, and I just started reading Originals, another really good scholar. And they really take this scholarly work and focus it on applying it directly in your business. Um, and that's great. Hmm. Um, I'm working on uh, some some research right now about expectations in negotiation. So how does what do I what I expect going into a negotiation impact what I actually get? Um, and it's really uh, turned into some interesting work. So hopefully that'll be out soon. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, like always, it's great having you here. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I always learn something every time you come. So it's great. And thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. It was a pleasure. <laughs> You can find links to Chris's book recommendations in the show notes. Go to hpleadershippodcast.com. Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at hpl underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.